Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Uh, we're talking about the people of God assembling, and uh, we're, we're kind of using, if you notice that A right there, that might look familiar to you. Uh, we're, we're using the Avengers movies um, in order to share the truth um, of God's Word. So um, what we're going to do today is we're going to open... Um, the holy book of the Avengers and uh, read from that and uh, watch watch a couple of clips and it's not that we're saying that the Avengers is somehow a spiritual movie because it's not um, none of them are um, the two that I've seen so far are not spiritual at all um, and they're not necessarily it's not necessarily saying that, that you ought to take your kids and go watch all of the movies um, I'm not all I'm not recommending that they're amazing movies in fact I've watched two of them and uh, you know they kind of seem to repeat themselves a lot. Anyway, my brother loves them and several others love them. And um, I like a good punch or kick every now and then. Uh, something blowing up occasionally is fun. But, um, but for this sermon series, we're really, we're, we're taking it as a modern day parable. Um, because oftentimes when I'm preaching, I'm having to read a Bible story to you that you've never heard before. Um, and so then I have to explain to you the Bible story and then I have to explain it because it's like 2,000 years old and I have to say, well, see, to those people it would have meant this and that and the other. And then, and by the time I've explained it, we're 45 minutes in, right? And, and then I'm ready to preach and that's another 50 minutes to an hour or so. And so I just figured we'd save time and preach from stories that you already know. Stories that you're already listening to and watching all the time and thinking about and debating on Facebook about who's going to die in the next one and, and uh, you know, what's happening with, I don't know, Thanos or whatever his name is. And, uh, and you know, and so, so I figured I would just come over and use a story that you're familiar with and, and preach from that. Um, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we can find some truth from God's word in it. Um, but we're talking about the need to assemble. And really, that's what the Avengers is. It's a, it's a group of, of freaks that have come together. I'm not, I'm not saying that's part of the analogy. I'm just suggesting that's what it is. It's a group of people that are coming together who kind of don't fit in the rest of society. And, and the government um, brings them together for, for, for special purposes. And um, uh, last week we talked about, what did we preach from? Um, uh, the uh, Civil War, Captain America's Civil War. And we talked about disunity. Because um, we're talking about assembling, but we also want to talk about the disassembling, the things that that, that tear us apart, that pull us apart. And we, and we, and we looked at that, especially Tony Stark's character, who's driven so much by, uh, by regret of things in the past, uh, things in his life, things, mistakes he's made. He's driven by regret, and then he's also driven by fear. And by the way, fear and regret are two things you, you are going to have to learn to live with. This positive, encouraging K-Love sermon right here for you. Fear and regret are things you're going to have to learn to live with. Everybody except Jesus has some regret. I don't care who you are. I don't care how bad. Mother Teresa had some regret. Everybody has some regret. You have some things that you wish you hadn't done. 
and that's going to stick with you. And you have some things you wish you had done. That's another kind of regret. Missed opportunities, missed moments, missed time with your kids, missed time with your parents, missed, missed opportunities. And once that window is closed, you've, you've missed out on it and you have regret. Now, Jesus, when we come to Jesus, wouldn't it be great if he just took all of our regret away? Wouldn't it be great if he just wiped away all our regret and we never once felt regret for anything? Well, that's not how it works. Um, there is coming a day, uh, the Bible tells us that when we enter into heaven, that he will wipe away all tears from our eyes. And you say, why would you have tears when you come into heaven? For that very reason, because regret. Because you're going to see how much you missed. You're going to see how self-involved, you were too self-involved to notice the opportunities that were passing you by. You were too focused on fantasy football. Come on, somebody. I'm losing in fantasy football, so I can preach against it right now because I'm, I'm not doing too good. My team's struggling. David is struggling. I don't know what happened. I got some injuries going on, but uh, you don't... I got to set my lineup. I got, I got, I got 50 minutes. I got to set my lineup. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like you, you're too, too focused on temporary things. You were too caught up in the, in, in the presidential election. And then, you know, a year later, you were caught up on the next election that was coming up in the next year. And then you were caught up and you were so caught up in temporary things. And so regret, you know, is a part of our existence here on earth. Jesus doesn't take it away yet. And fear is also very much a part of our existence. Fear just means that you're a thinking person. If you don't have any fear, that's because you're not thinking things through. Fear is what, like when, when you tell yourself what could happen, what you don't want to happen, but what you think could happen. So we all, if, as long as we are cognizant, we have some level of fear. And the, the more you grow and the more you live, the more fear you can have. Because, you know, when it was just me, I had fear of losing my life. I had fear of losing my stuff. I had fear of losing my job. But as soon as I got married, I had fear of losing Roe. And I had fear of, what if she got sick? What if she uh, went into a coma? And then, I, then, when, then you have kids. That's an exercise in fear. It's 24-7. Not only, like, could they get kidnapped or could they die or could, they, could something bad happen to them? They get, you know, get some kind of disease or something. But, but, you know, just the general fear that they put you through every day. Are they going to, like, hurt somebody else? Are they going to, like, blow something up? Are they, they going to be in jail all their life, you know? Like, you know, the, the fear that you, you, you have have to learn to live with fear and regret. These are two things that are a part of our existence as humans. Because we're thinking people and because we have lived some, we've made mistakes, therefore we have fear and regret. But they're, they're, they're going to be in the car, but they can't be in the driver's seat. You know what I'm saying? Like they can sit in the back. They're in the car and you're going to listen to them every now and then. They're going to, they're going to talk your ear off every now and then, but they can't, you can't let them drive. And Tony Starks tends to let fear and regret drive and that will pull you away from community. It will pull you away from being vulnerable with, with other people. It'll pull you away from catching the opportunities that are right in front of you. And Tony Stark causes a civil war and so many civil wars are caused out of fear and regret. And um, today I want to look at the original Avengers from all the way back 2012 I think it was. Um, and um, this story is a uh, is is about an, another bad guy who who comes to Earth. His name is um, Loki. Um, Loki. Uh, he's real quiet, and uh, he comes from another planet. 
and uh, the dude's got this little glow stick thingy, and and uh, he comes from another planet. He's like, I don't know what kind of powers he has, but it seems to be growing, whatever they are. And so he comes, and his goal is to take over the world, right? Your typical bad guy. He's not trying to steal the Mona Lisa. He wants to take over the world. That's how the Avengers work. And so it's it's intergalactic. It's it's, it's monumental. And he comes, and uh, he shows up, and he does a few things. He he, uh, mind, he he controls a couple of guys' minds. They get on his team. Um, and then he shows up in Germany. And um, the clip that I have for you is just to show you a little bit about the enemy in this movie, which is kind of a big part of the Avengers movies are their villains. Um, they got to be scary. They got to be uh, mean. And um, this, this, this is kind of a scene like that. Nobody gets killed in this scene, though. So don't worry. It's G, mostly G-rated. this simpler? Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. Not to men like you. <laughs> there are no men like me. There are always men like you. Look to your elder people. Let him be an example. You know, the last time it's I was amen in Germany over here. and saw a man standing above everybody else, we ended up disagreeing. The soldier. A <laughs> man out of time. I'm not the one who's out of time. Loki, drop the weapon and stand down.
smooth reindeer games. So this shows you kind of the beginning. This is toward the beginning of the movie. They, they take him prisoner, and that doesn't work out so well. But anyway, they, this just does show you the heart, I think, of the, the enemy, the villain of, of this particular movie. And I, and, I, and I think it's so common to the enemy that we all face. And it's an enemy who desires um, to place you in captivity, to place us in captivity. He desires worship that he never got. Uh, Satan desires worship that he never got from heaven. And so he's trying to find that here on earth. He's trying to put people into subjugation to him. And this is something that uh, a friend of mine was talking about um, just, just this week. Uh, he was talking about how there's a difference between um, captivity uh, and slavery. So the people of God, you might remember in the Old Testament, they were brought into slavery into Egypt. And when they were in slavery in Egypt, they, 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 their slave owners had whips that they would beat them with. And they forced them to work and forced them to build things for them. And it was a hard life. It was a difficult life. And that's what happened. When the people of Israel could get out of Egypt under slavery, man, they ran out. They got out as quickly as they could. But when, but when the king of Persia told, told, told Nehemiah and uh, 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 the other guy who went with him, uh, told them that they could, they could go back and get some people, man, they were it was hard for them to find anybody who wanted to leave what was Babylon, which is now Persia, who wanted to leave the place because they were connected to the culture. They had identified with the culture. And this is, to me, the, the more sneaky way that the, that the enemy of our souls really holds us in captivity is that he captivates our attention. And he creates a culture, he creates a steady diet for us, a diet of, yeah, well, food maybe, this is not a sermon against McDonald's, but if the shoe fits, uh, but he creates, a, he creates a steady diet of, 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 of ways to think and of, and of movies and of priorities and of, and of music. And, and he creates a steady diet of social media and people's opinions. And, and he creates a steady diet where you're constantly, constantly needing to be fed this, this diet that he is feeding you so that you are then kept so captivity creates a culture. It needs a culture to thrive. It needs a culture to keep us there in that place. But what I love is a scripture in Psalm 127 where it talks about captivity. Because, because when it comes to slavery, um, God breaks the bonds of slavery. He breaks that bondage. But when it comes to captivity, it doesn't always, doesn't always work like that. And so if we go to Psalm 126, should I have a scripture... Boom, there it is. When the, Lord, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. So, so if, if slavery needs to be broken, captivity needs to be turned. It's a, it's a, it's a shift. There has to be a shift in your heart. There has to be a shift in your mindset. There has to be a shift in your desires. And this is how God turns. He, he doesn't break the captivity. He, he turns it. And one of the primary ways that he uses to turn our captivity is the people that he puts around us. Which is why we need each other. We need each other to help turn our captivity. We need each other to help. Just like, just like the one guy stood up to low key. And... Uh, <laughs> 
just like that one old guy stood up to him you know that was that was good and well and that was all fine but he was about to get zapped you know with the the glow stick he was going to get you know zapped and I don't know what happens to you but something happens when you get zapped it's not good he was about to get zapped until till somebody came alongside him and I don't know if you noticed in the movie but like when Captain America came on the scene like other people started standing up they all started saying hey wait a minute maybe maybe we can take this guy and then Captain America's there and then and then and then the girl in the in the flying thing is there she takes a couple shots and and listens to some cool music while while uh, Iron Man comes in and kind of saves the day you know because because what happens is when what, what we need is we need a different community if you want to change the culture that you're connected to you have to change the community that you're connected to and so here at City Chapel, that's what we're doing. We are creating a community. We're not, just, we're not just creating a church where you come and you listen to a sermon and you feel good. We're creating a community of people that can, that can turn the captivity that we're so used to, that can turn the, the thinking of a captive, that can turn the idea that as soon as, you know, some guy in a headdress shows up with a blue glow stick, everybody needs to kneel, you know. But suddenly, if somebody else steps in and says, wait a minute, maybe we don't have to kneel to this guy. Maybe we do have our own, our own volition, our own ability to make decisions for ourselves. Then suddenly you create a different culture, a counter culture, a culture counter to the, the culture of captivity. And that's what we're doing here. We're creating a community that's, that is counter, that is running counter to the culture of captivity. Because every, every, cap, every captivity has a particular culture. Certain things that they celebrate. They have their heroes. They have their, 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 their elements of entertainment. They have what they do for fun. They have, they have what they love. And this is, this is what's so important about connecting to a Christian community is that in Christian community, you start to share Christian values. You start to share Christian culture, which is why I'm excited about our youth starting to meet on Wednesday nights. Uh, we just had our second youth meeting. Hey, were you guys there? You seem to be involved. Were you guys at the youth meeting Wednesday night? Yes, he's, I put him on the spot. He's like, I didn't think anyone could see me. I thought I was that. <laughs> you're not an invisible woman. It's all good. You, you're, yeah, so, so yeah, we had like 21 teens right here in this building. Now that we have our own building, like we started having teens meet and gather. And we got folks, folks uh, leading it. We have, we had adults up here playing worship and and speaking and leading small groups and and it's awesome because you got to create a better culture. You got to create a better community. If if all our teens ever live in is in a culture of captivity, then they will start to value things that will keep them captive. They will value things that will keep them captive. And, and for us, we want freedom. We want freedom of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. So you got to set a different example. You have to set a different culture. Someone's got to stand up to Loki. Someone's got to come in with a shield. Someone's got to come in with a gun. Someone's got to deal with the culture that is eroding and breaking down. This thing that God is trying to establish in our lives. There has to be a shift. And so we see that in the Avengers, they make a shift, they start um, fighting against Loki, they take him captive. 
And uh, like I said, it doesn't turn out to be uh, too, too good for them because it was sort of Loki's plan that he would be taken captive and then they would be obsessed with him and then they wouldn't be finding the Tesseract, which is, is a little square box that has a lot of power. Um, and so uh, for those of you that haven't seen the movie, it's this blue glowing thing. And... Um, uh, uh, Loki has the Tesseract and he's using it to open up a portal uh, into outer space and bring these alien invaders down. That's the whole plan of the movie. And this army has already made a deal with Loki, which, which, which I kind of wonder, you know, were they really going to keep the deal or were they just going to kill him once they got the Tesseract? Anyway, you know, if they're so powerful, he brings them down, they come down, fight earth, take over earth for him, hand it over to him, and then he hands over the Tesseract. That's the plan, as best I can understand it. And, and so he, but he needs to open that portal, and so he needs time. So he's got this, he's got this scientist that he's brainwashed, this other guy he's brainwashed. They're setting up the portal. Meanwhile, he's captive in this floating fortress, um, and they're trying to question him. He ends up getting out. He ends up breaking free, um, mainly because once again, the Avengers are arguing. I don't know if this happens in every Avenger movie. Does it? Can't they just, can't we all just get along? I mean, I don't know. It's like, you know, I was watching the movie and I'm like, oh, here comes the argument scene. It's just kind of different. Some, but there's always hitting and punching involved. Like there's all these fights between each other. And so, I don't know, but they, they, they start fighting each other. They're getting mad at each other. They're afraid the Hulk's going to bust out and break stuff. And, and uh, while they're doing all of that, right, Loki is, is working on a way to get himself out. And his buddy comes and blows up part of the ship. And, and it sort of messes things up. They are, they are in the same room. Let's put it this way. They're in the same room, but they are not of the same mind. <laughs> and that's not just Avengers. That's, that's you all. That's City Chapel. That's every church. That's every church. That's, that's, yeah, that's every, every, every church in the world can be in the same room, but not be of the same mind, not have the same goals. Not, 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 not be for the same thing. Not even be there for the same reason. Even with our 21 teens, I don't know. Some of them might have just been there because there were some cute girls on Wednesday, Wednesday night. I'm not trying to advertise or anything, but I'm just saying different reasons, you know. You get everybody in the same room, and that's, that's good, but man, the next step is to get everybody in the same mind, to get everybody the same heart. And that doesn't happen on Sunday morning. That doesn't happen just by sitting, you know, in a seat together, and we are pretty close together here. You guys are filling the place up. We need to get some more chairs and move, some, move that uh, uh, scaffolding out of the way. We're going to have to start packing up some more chairs here, but, but when, they, when, when, when we get in the same room, that's nice, but, but, when we, but they, they start fighting each other, and, and, and their fighting breaks out, and, and then Loki comes in, Loki, and, uh, and just just starts wrecking havoc. You know, he sends Thor down this massive chamber out into wherever, and um, you know, he throws the Hulk, ends up flying off the ship, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of crashing down. And there's a key guy who's killed. His name is Phil, Phil, uh, Phil Coulson. And he's, the, he's, he's like one of the key thinkers of the, the thing. And Loki kills Phil, and I'm not gonna show that, uh, it's not. It's not. It's not too gory. But he kills Phil, and after he kills Phil, uh, then 
then Fury has a discussion with the two Avengers that are kind of left um, here in the building. So I would just like for us to see this discussion because I think it really describes a little bit about what I'm talking about, that we need to come together. And sometimes it takes tragedy, sometimes it takes a push to bring us together. And for, for these guys, it was, it, was, it was this push right here. Oh, you can't see through this? Yeah. Let me help you out. These were in Phil Colson's jacket. Guess he never did get you to sign them. We're dead in the air up here. My communications, location of the cube. Banner. Door. I got nothing for you. Lost my one good eye. Maybe I had that coming. Yes. We were going to build an arsenal with the Tesseract. I never put all my chips on that number, though, because I was playing something even riskier. There was an idea. Stark knows this. Called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people. See if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to, to fight the battles that we never could. Phil Coulson died still believing in that idea. In Heroes. It's an old-fashioned notion. And it's really that moment that uh, Steve goes and has a talk with Tony, and they decide to get on the same team, the same page, and they start working together. And it, and it, and it fuels their unity. It fuels their, their connection. And as I was watching that, I said, man, why, why does somebody have to die? for people to really come together. And that's when I re remembered the, the prayer of Jesus in John 17 where he said, Father, make them one just as you and I are one. And I talked about that last week about how that was like the one prayer that, that God couldn't answer by himself. He needs us to participate in that. And Jesus is praying to the Father, asking him to do something that he knows depends on our availability on our willingness to assemble, to come together. But I, I thought it was interesting because John 17 is, is just, this is, this is just before Jesus goes to the cross. This is just before he, he lays down his life. And so I'm not saying that Jesus and Phil Colson are the same. I'm just saying that it often takes somebody to die for people to really come together. It takes somebody's blood to do something. And, and in our case, the blood of Jesus, much more powerful than simply an inspirational moment, was the thing that enabled us to come together. It would be impossible. This is why, this is why Jesus said that, that they, the world will know you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Not if you love God. He said, you'll, you, they will know because, you know, lots of people love God because God's lovely. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't love him? He's kind, he's generous, he's sweet, he's forgiving. I mean, he's truthful, he's just, he's faithful. Who wouldn't love God? But Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples because you love one another. Well, wait a minute. Now, this person that's sitting next to me, this person that's behind me, this person that I'm married to, this is not, this ain't Jesus. I don't know if you know my husband, but he ain't Jesus, you know. He doesn't walk on water. He doesn't even turn anything into wine, you know. He doesn't even, it's just, you know, like, like this isn't, it's easier to love God, but the true test and the way the world says, wow, there's something different about these people is when they love people that are imperfect, when they love people that are faulty, when they love people that aren't always loving them back. And he says, this is how the world will know when you love one another, when you reach out to one another, how in the world can you do that? How can I do that? When my natural state is selfishness, when I'm naturally interested in looking out for myself, how can I extend agape love to somebody else? And so one, one, one passage I think that really lays it out for us is James chapter 4. And Roe's Ro going to be preaching on this at the, at the women's retreat. I'm not going to steal all of her thunder because we were just talking about it Friday night. We were talking about James 4 and I said, honey, like you don't even have to just read this. You don't even have to preach. Just read this. Like this is, okay, now I'm stealing it. No, like this is, this is like the word of God. Like you don't have to expound on this. This is amazing to me. And so I'm just going to read through on, on uh, a couple thoughts at the beginning. But if you're going to the women's retreat this Saturday, right, you can sign up after service and you can hear Rose take on it a little bit deeper, a little more. She, she doesn't yell as much. Um, it's, and she's a lot prettier. And so it's, it's good. James chapter 4 verse 1 says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? That's an interesting location for the quarrels and the fights. I think it's King James says the wars. It's, it is among you. And this is, this, is, this is the problem. As long as the war and the fight is among us, we are never fighting the fight that is out in front of us. And if the enemy can keep us fighting among us, then we'll never get to the fight that's in front of us. We'll never, we'll never, we'll never see Austin come to know God. We'll never see revival here in Austin if we're too busy fighting among ourselves. And that's true within a church. It's also true within a group of pastors in Austin. As pastors, we have to come together and not be all concerned about people going to this person's church or that person's church or this person's church. If we're busy fighting amongst ourselves, how in the world can we take on this, this culture? We're living the same culture. And so he says, where, where, where are these fights coming from? Where, where are the, where's the war that is among you coming from? Don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you? In other words, the fight among you is evidence of a fight within you. <laughs> so next time you go and you find that church that has no drama. <laughs> Someone actually told us that. They found a church with no drama. I said, just give it five minutes. Give it five minutes. Don't join it. Don't you join it. Don't you mess it up. Are there any... I'm just saying, a church with no drama is a church with no people. It's just, just, just a pastor, not even a pastor and his wife, just the pastor. He's, he doesn't have kids. He's not married. He's just, he's just all by himself. That's a church because every, every place that you go, 
has people that haven't settled the war within them. The war among you is because there's a war inside of you. So there's, there's a fight going on inside of you and it evidences itself in your marriage. It evidences itself in your church. It evidences itself in your kids. It evidences itself in your workplace and in your school. And all these little circles that you're a part of, the fight that's within you is creating this drama that's around you. And so you have to deal with the, that's why we needed somebody to die. Because I can't fix the fight within you. I can preach some blue in the face. I can be honest or I can be sweet. I can be Texas or I can be Michigan on you. I can, I can go both ways. I can, I can put a lot of sugar on it, tell you how wonderful and amazing you are. And then I, you know, I, I, can, I can go hellfire and brimstone if you like, you know. But, but I can't fix that fight. Only the blood of Jesus can deal with the enemy that is within us and inside of us. Only Jesus can fix that fight. And so, and so he says, this is where the fight that's coming uh, around you, it's coming from a fight that's within you that hasn't been settled. It's still raging inside of you. You want what you don't have. All right, Americans, let's just let's stay. I'll let, I'll let Ro deal with that one. We'll, we'll let, let her deal. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and even kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Wow. <laughs> You're too busy scheming and trying to figure it out and trying to post about it you know, oh, I need compliments today. Let's put a post, a, a request for compliments post. You don't ask God, like, no, like you're asking people for stuff because you see how much compliments they get and you want the compliments that they get. And so you, you go to, you, you're always going to be filled from the well that you're drinking from. And so that's why he says you have to ask God. You got to go to God for your needs. You don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get what you ask because your motives are all wrong. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you want only what will give you pleasure. If all of your prayers were answered today, nobody would be any better off except you, your kids, and your mom. You want only, well, you're not concerned about the glory of God. You're not concerned about the reputation of Jesus Christ on the earth. You're not concerned about the success of his church. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, he said it, not me. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? Well, I'm not friends with the world. What are you talking about? No, not the world out there, the world in here, the culture. When you love this culture, it makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, if you want to hold on to this, this thing in your heart, if you, if you do not want to, like, it's good to want for the church to assemble, but man, there's got to be some assembly that needs to happen right in here, right inside your chest. He says, if you don't want that, then you are an enemy of God. Or do you think the scriptures have no meaning when they say that God is passionate? Uh, I think the, the King James says jealous, that the spirit of God that is placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. Yes. 
I'll let, I'll let Roe go off on that. The generous grace of God. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not proud. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, so humble yourselves before God. Actually, in the King James, it says, so submit yourself to God. So with the kind of pride he's talking about here is not the kind that you associate with people like, like Tony Stark. Right? It's not the kind that is braggadocious. It's not the kind that is always tooting its own horn. That's not the kind of pride that he's talking about. The kind of pride he's talking about is the kind that does not submit to God. God resists the... Isn't it interesting? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The same God, the same God that blesses people also blocks people. That's not the Jesus I know. Well, get to know the real one. He's right here in scripture. He, <laughs> let me introduce you. Let me introduce you to the God who blesses and blocks. The God who blesses and blocks. The same hand that blesses the humble blocks the proud. The same hand that blesses the submitted blocks the unsubmitted life. The same hand. It, 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 it doesn't just bless, but he gives grace generously. Grace is power. Grace is the ability for you to love the person that you're living with, the person that you, that you gave birth to, the people that are all around. Grace is that thing that enables you to do what you couldn't do on your own. And you need grace. We need grace. I need grace. But the, 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 the grace is often blocked. The grace is blocked by levels of unsubmitted life. Levels of an unsubmitted life. Unsubmitted thought life. Unsubmitted conversations. You can't he, 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 he says, where, where, where are these fights coming from? Well, I don't fight with anybody. Well, you do, but you're Texan, so you don't do it to their face. You prefer the low-key, the low-key version of the knife in the back. That's, that's your preferred method of chopping people down and taking them out. You carve people up over dinner tables, but you don't, you don't do it to their face because you're from Texas. So only folks from Michigan will do it to their face. And so we're, we don't have that Southern charm thing down. We haven't figured all that out. But man, but, but this is like, where does that come from? Why, why, why do I take out people and say, well, they must be all full of themselves because they're up there and they want to be over here. And why, why, am I, why am I gossiping? Why am I cutting? Why am I sticking a blade into somebody. Why is it? Because I haven't submitted to God. And so I don't have the grace to love them. The grace to walk with them in the middle of their imperfections. The grace to agape them. The grace to, to agape. Uh, agapeo or agape means to love, but it's, it's the highest form of love. It's the highest form. It's the, it's the, and the reason why it's the highest is because it's the most removed from earth. It's, it's the, the, the highest, literally, form of love. And it's the kind that God commands. He says, love your neighbor. Love your enemies. And if you can't even love your friends, 
you're in trouble. He says, love. And so you say, you say okay, so how do, I, how do I love? Well, it's, it's agape, which means to prioritize. It means I, I put you in a place where you are a priority to me. I prioritize you. And this is what God did for the earth when, in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He prioritized the world ahead of everything else that he could be doing and would be doing and wanted to be doing. He prioritized us. Now, it's, it's obviously, he has feelings of affection toward us. That's a different kind of love. That's called phileo. That's friendship. Uh, that requires some reciprocation, though. Phileo does. Um, like, I can't just be a friend. I can't have friends that don't know that they're my friend, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you can't just say, oh, I'm, I'm friends with uh, so-and-so because I met him once. No, that's not, that's not friendship. Friendship is a thing that goes both ways. It goes, it's, it's back and forth. It's, it's, I like hanging out with you. I enjoy hanging out with you. And in every church, there's a lot of friendships happening, and that's good. But, but agape goes above and beyond simply a friendship. It goes into something that says, I am committed to you and to your good. I'm committed to God getting his glory in your life. I'm committed to helping you. Helping you move across town. Helping you set up a TV in the living room. Helping you, uh, helping you get to church. Helping, help, help, I'm committed. So, so the, the commitment, that's, that's what love is. And we were, we, Ro and I do a lot of marriage counseling. And we, we, I usually talk about these kinds of love in the New Testament Greek because I, I find it, it's helpful because there are three basic kinds of love. There's, there's agape, um, there's phileo, and then there's eros. Eros is where we get the word erotic from. Um, it's a sensual love. It's a desire, which is the lowest form of love because it's the most physical. Like, you know when Eros hits you, you know? There's a lot of songs about it. Uh, you see her across the room. You have a view, your palms get sweaty. Physical reactions to Eros, like you, you it, but it's really fleeting though. Yeah. It's like it's there and then you get in a fight and then it's not there. <laughs> and it's like, I can't stand this person. I don't want to be in the same room with it. It's just, you know, it's, it's really fickle. It's like, it's like the breeze, it's like the wind. It's just back and forth. And, and, and which is why we shouldn't be writing so many songs about it because it's not that great, it's not that amazing. It's, it's there, it's good, but it's nothing solid. It's just really weak. And if, and if, you're, if you doubt that, just talk to some 70-year-old couples that have been married for more than five minutes. Ask them what held their marriage together. Ask them, ask them why they, they, they get out, why they continue to live with the same person um, for all of these years. It has less to do with Eros. Eros is there, but it has more to do with Phileo. Phileo is the friendship that is, that is developed. It's the friendship, that, uh, the connection. I like you. I like hanging out with you. I get a lot out of this. And uh, unfortunately, in our society, we start with Eros. So Eros is how you swipe left and figure out which one you want to get a phone number for. <laughs> Not that anyone's swiping here. Nobody's swiping. No swiping going on. And, uh, oh, you want me to swipe? Oh. Oh. Okay. Um, that's very thoughtful of you, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Trying to grab my train of thought. The the, the air the, the I was on Eros. Yeah. Eros. Swiping left. 
That's right. I was, yeah, I was confronting your shockness at my reality check. Um, so anyway, some of you are, are, are doing that, and that's fine, because it's, it's real. The Eros is a real thing. It's great. But when, when we set that as a foundation and a relationship, we, we start with that, and then we want to see if like a phileo will grow, a friendship will grow out of that. And then we finally get so close as friends that then we, we come to the altar before God and people, and we make vows of agape. And the problem is your, your phileo can't, can't fulfill the check that your agape writes. You just can't do it. It's like building a house on sand, the walls of um, cardboard, and the ceiling of cement. Agape would be the cement. Agape needs to be at the bottom. It's a dating advice for you. Start with agape, move on to phileo, get married, get some eros in there, and it's awesome. Because a tin roof is lovely at the top of your house. It's terrible at the foundation. <laughs> it's rough. And cement is lovely as a foundation. It's terrible as a roof. Your walls won't be able to hold it up. And, 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 and unfortunately, many times we, we come into even this kind of community and we're looking for phileo. Some of us are, are looking for a date. Um, that's fine too. But we're looking for a friendship. We're looking for connection, which is lovely. But man, we got to start with this idea that I have been loved beyond what I deserve. And that agape that was shown to me, I need to start with that. This is my foundation to love all of you weirdos. This is my foundation. <laughs> all the freaks that gather in the same room, all the, the Avengers that get together. This is, this is the foundation. And then beyond that, as I spend time with you, I've already decided to love you. As I spend time with you, then I find out some of you are really cool. Some of you are weird like me and weird enough. And we have the same kind of, and, and we, we enjoy the same things. And then we get phileo, building and growing. Friendships are growing. And uh, that's the order of things. There ought to be this, this level foundation of agape that can only come through Jesus, that can only come through his blood that he shed on the cross. So if you've never received that, that, that gift of salvation, if you've never received agape, you can't give it. And so the first step is to receive it, is to simply say, God, I receive your love. I desire to be in you. And that's what Jesus said. I pray that they would be one just as you and I are one, that they would come together in us. And it was that togetherness within us that is so important. Would you pray with me for just a minute? I want to give you an opportunity to receive that love today, that if you've never received the love of God, the agape love of God, if you know a lot about eros and a little bit about friendship, but you don't know anything about the kind of love that, that would set you as a priority, even when you're not worthy of it, even when you haven't done the right things for it, that would sacrifice for you. That's the kind of love that God extends to us. It's also the kind of love that it takes to be in community with other people. It's the kind of love that says, well, they're not perfect and they probably meant that the wrong way, but I'm going to choose to forgive them anyway. Even though they haven't earned it, even though they haven't deserved it, I'm going to extend that to them. I'm going to extend them the, the right to be wrong <laughs> and still be connected to me. I'm not going to try to defend myself so closely. Rather, I'm going to prioritize somebody, maybe even who's not prioritizing me. Maybe, maybe this is a family member. Maybe it is somebody in your world right now, not even in the church, but you need to extend love to them.
As you have received, so you have to give. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lay people even on our hearts and minds right now. That we need to extend some grace to, that we need to extend some love to. Some agape that we need to prioritize. Not, not to say that what they did was okay or that wrong things are okay. Not to say any of that, but simply to say that, that, that God has extended so much love to me. <laughs> and it's not, it's not about being the bigger person. <laughs> it's about submitting to God, being the lower person. Being the one who is in so much need of God's grace, in so much need of God's forgiveness, that I can't hold anything against anybody else. I have to release them. I, and and I, I, would, I would recommend that you would go to them, text them as soon as you can, call them, go to them physically, and let them know that you are there for them, that you love them, the opposite of, of bitterness is generosity. So when you're willing to give, when you're willing to do for somebody, it, it, it breaks the chain of bitterness. You can't be mad at somebody and pray for somebody's good at the same time. So Lord, I pray that you would lay people on our heart, lay, bring people to our remembrance, that we would love on them this week, and that we would put ourselves in a position to enter into Christian community, to change our culture, to change our mindset. In Jesus' name, amen.